Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now at the hour of our death. Lady Guadalupe, pray for us in the Father's homes. Okay, so we're going to talk about our Lady Guadalupe today. So we have this beautiful image of our Lady Guadalupe. And you can see the saint, his name is Juan Diego. And that would be the famous apparition he had in the year 1531. So let's try to get to know our Lady Guadalupe better and better. And uh, this uh, Sunday, we're going to have a special procession from City Hall to the church. So I invite all of you to come. It is supposed to rain, but rain won't kill anyone, right? A little bit of rain is sometimes good for us. So make sure you will. You have your raincoat and your umbrella, but we'll be able to put up with it, right? Things could be worse. No? Better that than a volcano as they have in Italy, right? <laughs> So let's uh, let's let's go into it. the meaning of Guadalupe. Right down, it means she will crush his head. Write that in there. She will crush his head. She will crush the head of uh, of the ancient serpent, who would be the devil. Now there is a biblical verse that refers to that, and that will be the first book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible is the book of Genesis. The last book of the Bible is Apocalypse. So the two bookends, Genesis and Apocalypse. Sometimes Apocalypse is Revelation. Apocalypse will be the Greek, Revelation will be the Latin, if you're a language scholar. So, what verse will be Genesis chapter 3, verse 15? Louis Smith, can you close the door? Yeah. So Genesis 3, 15. And that is, I will put enmity between you and the woman, her offspring and yours, and she will crush your head. So I'd like you to write down, write down the word, this is somewhat technical, but write down proto-evangelium. That's a technical Greek word, proto-evangelium. You know what that means? It's the first good news that the head of the serpent, the devil, will be crushed through the woman, and through the heel of the woman. And St. Louis de Montfort says, we're called to be the heel of that woman. Crush the ugly head of the serpent. I like that. We're supposed to be the heel of the woman, married to crush the devil, by our prayers, our rosaries, our sacrifices, by our communions. All right. So, uh, let's get to... Let's get to the historical context of this. This year, the year was 1531. Write that in, 1531. 
Okay, just a little bit of history. I don't know how much you study history in school, but this is the time of the Protestant Reformation. Okay, they're in England, and it's going to pass over to Germany with Martin Luther. And a few later, years later, it's going to be the Battle of Lepanto, where the Muslims are going to try to conquer the Catholics. So it's a time of a lot of, uh, a lot of revolutions. And if you're interested in the saints, you know all the saints that are living at this time? St. Teresa of Avila. St. Ignatius of Loyola. St. Francis Xavier. St. John of Avila. St. Peter of Alcantara. What do they all have in common? They're Spanish. How about these? Charles Borromeo. Pius V. Philip Neri. Camillus Ulelis. What do they have in common? Oops, sorry, they're Italians. You have in Italy, in Spain, you have these huge numbers of saints that are living at that time. And today, you're all called to become saints. You're all called to become saints. I'll prove it. How many of you want to go to heaven? Who's in heaven? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the angels, and the saints. So for you to go to heaven, you have to become a saint. Maybe not a canonized saint. That doesn't mean shot out of the canon, but rather proclaimed in the official canon of the church. So we're all called to become saints. So let's work on that. That's why we're here. Prepare for confirmation. We can become the future saints. Amen? So the year is 1531. The number of apparitions... The number of apparitions would be four. Four apparitions. Four apparitions. Who is the seer or the person that God chose uh, to be witness of these apparitions. I'll give you a hint. It's his feast day today. Yeah. Many of you are Mexicans. Probably the most famous Mexican saint. And you don't even know who it is. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> today is San Juan Diego. He's probably the greatest Mexican saint after Our Lady Guadalupe. So... San Juan Diego, St. Juan Diego, he was the person that had these visions. It happens to be his feast day today, the 9th of December. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Juan Diego. Juan Diego was an Aztec Indian, and if you are of Mexican origin, you probably have Aztec blood and Spanish blood. If you go through your genealogical tree. Maybe you're not interested in that. You've got Anglo and Vietnamese blood, right? I think it's very interesting our our origins, no? One of my great 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 grandfathers was with George Washington as the founding fathers in this country, no? His name is Jacob Broome. You just Google it in, no? 
He was a governor, yeah, in the state of Delaware. This is 200 years, 250 years ago. So I have, on, the, on my mom, on my mom, my dad's side, I go back 300 years into this country as one of the founding fathers, no? And he happened to be liberal because he wanted to eliminate slavery. In the 1700s, this was before Abraham Lincoln. So he was considered somewhat liberal because most of the country accepted slavery back 250 years ago. So most of you, you would have Aztec Indian blood and Spanish blood because the Indians married the Spaniards. So that would be a little bit of your genealogical origin. <laughs> Good to know that, right? Good to know that. And me, I've got... English, French, Canadian, German, Scottish, and Irish. That's me. All the different 99% Caucasian. 1% Spanish. <laughs> I think it's fascinating to know where we came from, no? Our genealogical roots, no? And you, American and Vietnamese, because your mom's Vietnamese, right? Yeah, interesting. Well, Juan Diego was Aztec, the Aztec Indian. They happened to be about the best warriors in the world back then. Did you know that? The best fighters in the world. Now we're, we're warriors for Christ, right? Amen? <laughs> Soldiers for Christ. We say that uh, Mary is la, la, la generala del ejército, right? Mary is the general of the army. Que viva Cristo Rey, que viva la reina. Amen? Okay, so what happens... What does Mar so Juan Diego? He's heading toward. He lives with his uncle, his uncle Juan Bernardino, and he goes into the city of Mexico from where he's living outside the city. And he's um, he's 57 years old, and back then people would live to be about 35, 40. And we're talking about almost 500 years ago. The people living into their hundreds, that's a modern phenomenon. So he's traveling, he's 57, he's traveling 14 miles walking into the city of Mexico. That's a long walk, isn't it? Why is he going? He's going to church, and also he's going to study his catechism because he's, he is, uh, he's baptized when he's, uh, when he's an adult with his, with his wife. So for his confirmation, he's walking 14 miles. No? <laughs> what do you do? You arrive here in your car with your mom. It's two or three miles and you're complaining the whole way. you got the music on. You're drinking Coca-Cola. No? You're complaining that life is so hard. No? Que <laughs> vergüenza, huh? Well, it's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? So he's making that long walk because he wants to go to church and he wants to learn his catechism. All right. So, what happens on December 9th? That's his feast day. On December 9th, he's heading toward the city of Mexico and he meets this beautiful Aztec woman. Okay, She's raised in the air. And... Who that is, that's the Blessed Mother. So he meets her, and she asks for something. What do you think she can ask for? 
Okay, yes. So you can ask for uh, ask for a church to be built on the place. Any of you know the name of that that place? It's called Monte. Okay, Tepeyac. So it's on Monte Tepeyac. This would be the Nahuel language. So she asked for a church to be built there. And so, he has to go into the city to speak to who? Okay, the bishop. You know the name of the bishop? Okay. So as you go into the city of Mexico, visit the bishop. The name of the bishop is, you can write it down, Juan Zumarraga. Kind of a tough name, huh? So let's get to know who this bishop I think he's a servant of God. I want to look that up. I think he's a servant of God. His name is Bishop Juan Zumarraga. The Bishop Juan Zumarraga. He's the bishop of the city of Mexico. Okay, so he's a bishop. Right next to Bishop also, if you write down next to Bishop, he was a Franciscan. So he was a Franciscan. He would be a follower of St. Francis. You know, there's different, there are different types of priests. For example, if you go to St. Irenaeus there, there's priests there, but do you know the difference between a religious priest and a diocesan priest? Ninety percent of our people don't know that. A diocesan, a religious priest, usually has like a black habit or a brown habit. He has a sash, lives in community, has vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, has a charism. And we don't belong to the Diocese of L.A., but we belong to the whole world. So my superior could call me up and say, by the way, Father Broome, we're opening up a house in Africa, and we, we want you to go there. Okay? So start to learn the African language, and I would, okay. Yeah. I mean, he could. Probably won't happen, but he could. Oh, we, we're going to open up a house in Guadalajara, Mexico. I'd like you, because you know Spanish, I want you to go there and find that house. We want you to go back to Argentina. You were there many years ago. I want you to go to Buenos Aires. No? Or we have a house in the Philippines and they, one of the priests there got sick. I want you to go there to the Philippines. No? We have a priest now, Father Greg Short, who's with us for a couple of days and he's been in the Philippines for 21 years. No? He, before he was in Argentina, but he was born in Connecticut. Okay? So we as religious priests, we go wherever our superior sends us. Whereas a diocesan priest, they're going to be in L.A. until they die. And they'll probably move them about every three years. But every three or four years, they move them from one parish to the next. Whereas we can stay here as long as our superior. Father Larry's been here for more than 30 years, which is pretty rare. But given that we're religious, we, we're able to st- stay as long as our superior keeps us. 
So, these are some religious. Franciscans, Jesuits, Salesians, Carmelites, Trappists, Missionaries of Charity. There are many, many. So, it's a good idea to know that there are different types of priests. Some diocesan, they just spend their time in the Diocese of L.A. or Orange uh, until they die. Whereas we, we can be more on the move. For example, Father Craig was with us. Some of you remember Father Craig was with us for about 12 years. Now where is he? He's in Boston. Okay. Then we have a new, Fili- new Filipino pastor. And he was in the Philippines. He was in Florida. So you're going to see priests coming and going in this house. Because we're religious. No? So this bishop was a Franciscan. Franciscan means that he was in the congregation founded by St. Francis of Assisi. Okay. So, a little bit, of, knowing a little bit of religious life. Right, Mary? Yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Ready, Grace? Okay. What was the reaction of the bishop? So Juan Diego goes to the bishop and says, By the way, I saw this lady, and she wants you to build a church right there on Monte Tepeyac. So the bishop said, Great, we'll get the engineers, the architects, the, the subcontractors to start to do the work. Is that what happened? We'll start to do some fundraising and get that church built as quickly as possible. Is that what happened? No? No, really the bishop didn't really believe him. So maybe this guy was a visionary. We'll we'll talk a little bit later about this. So the bishop, the best word would be the bishop, um, do you know what the word incredulous means? That's a college word, isn't it? Okay, well, uh, he he doubted. This is a more simple word that the 13-year-old kids understand, okay? He, he, he doubted. He doubted. He doubted whether or not this was, this was something real. So, he goes to the bishop and the bishop says, okay, we'll see you another day. Okay? Come back on another day. We'll talk, a, we'll talk at greater length. So, he's coming back the same day, December 9th, in the afternoon. And he meets the lady again. And what does he say? He says, you, you, you know, you've got to get someone more important than me. Get someone that's more important, more famous, more eloquent. Uh, he's got better preparation. Get someone better than me. So is that what she did? She tried to maybe get a, a philosopher, a professor at the University of Mexico, or maybe, um, maybe a, the vice president of the country maybe to do it? No? Okay, so uh, what happened is that he tries to excuse himself, he tries to excuse himself, but Mary wants him anyway. Juan Diego tries to excuse himself, but she wants him anyway. To be el embajador, no? El embajador. I like that word, embajador, no? Mary's ambassador in English, right? Mary's ambassador. Okay, so he heads home, and the following day, he's going to the bishop, and 
overnight, the bishop has changed his idea of what happened. So he's the, the bishop sees him the next day, and the bishop shows interest and belief. So he asks him, what's your name? Where are you from? What happened? Who was that woman? What did she look like? What did she say? What did she ask him for? He's asking a series of questions. So the Holy Spirit had worked on the bishop overnight, changing his viewpoint radically. God can do that. God can work miracles, right? He can work on us. He can change our way of thinking. (laughs) So, on December 10th, with the bishop, it can place the bishop had a more a more positive interpretation of the message of this lady. Okay? Bishop had a more positive interpretation of the message of this lady. So what do you think, okay, what do you think, number 11, what do you think the bishop is going to ask, ask for? Hannah? Okay, good. So, yes, uh, the bishop is going to ask for a sign. Ask for a sign. Which is kind of normal. Give me a sign that this is not just a bluff. You're not just imagining this. You, know? you have, we all have a, we can have a pretty, Vivid imagination, right? We can we can we can imagine things. All right, so let's move on to number twelve. What happened? Okay, this is number twelve. What happened on December eleventh with Yes. So what happened on December eleventh with Juan Diego? He was supposed to go back to the bishop again. Jessica? Okay, so his uncle got very sick. So he had to spend the whole day with the uncle. So his uncle was was so sick that the uncle was actually he was actually dying. Actually dying. So Juan Diego, instead of leaving, he spent the whole day, the 11th, with his, uh, with his uncle. Okay, some of you, okay, most of you have your parents that are still living. Do any of you have any grandparents that are still living? Do any of you have any great-grandparents that are still living? Oh, yeah. How old are your great-grandparents? Probably in their 90s, probably? Probably, yeah. So, one point I'd like to make here is this. Try to be very, very kind and helpful to old people. Probably in this room, some of you will probably be nurses. Probably. Maybe some will be doctors. Maybe some will be physicians' assistants. Like, I think your sister wants to be a doctor, right? You know, your older sister. Which is fine, no? 
Now, now whether or not you're a nurse or you're a doctor or a physician's assistant, uh, try, try to be very, very kind and loving and helpful to the old people. You hear me? You're, all of you, you're young and you're strong and you're attractive and you're dynamic and you have your, your life ahead of you, but try to be very, very kind and helpful to the older people. Like your grandmother, okay? Uh, yeah, she's going to have an operation, right? Okay? Uh, try to, okay, pray for her, encourage her, maybe go to the hospital and visit her, maybe bring her a little you know, get better card. Very, very important. Very important. You know what I did about an hour ago? I, I called my mother. My mother's 91. Anyone call? How's it going, Mom? You know, she's, in New ha- she's in Florida. How's it going now? Yeah, pretty good. You know? Yeah, I'm calling her. Yeah. I mean, I can't go in person because he's in Florida. But I'm, I'm making sure things are going okay. And when you're 91, you can never really tell what's going to happen. 91, right? So uh, until the Lord calls her, I'm going to try to really help her out as much as I can. And not only a phone call, but I'll be praying for her, offering up masses for her. Um, within the past two months, I've already visited her in person, which... I've never done before, leaving the parish for a couple of different times. But we have to try to be kind and helpful to old people. Okay? Kind and helpful to old people. And as a whole, the, 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 the Latinos and Filipinos, they have in their culture respecting and having love for the elderly, which is good. Which is good. It's a cultural trait which is worthy of praise. So, Hopefully the modern materialistic paganistic society will not wipe that away. But I'll tell you what, what is dominating our country, and I'm going to give you a really big college philosophical word. It's called utilitarianism. Do you know what utilitarianism means? I didn't think so. I'll tell you what it means. Utilitarianism means you have value in as much as you're economically productive. That's American society. So I'll repeat. You value in as much as you're economically productive. You're looking at me with jaundiced eyes. No, I mean, you never heard that before, but that's very common in this country. If you've got money... You're healthy, you're good-looking, you've got a nice car, you've got a big house, you have another summer resort house. You're important in the eyes of the world. It's called utilitarianism, which is diametrically opposed to what the gospel teaches. Who are the ones that Jesus loved most? The, the blind, the sick, the lepers, the paralytics, the immigrants, the lepers. Those are the people that Jesus showed greatest love for those who are weakest and most most isolated, marginalized. So uh, that, uh, that, that day, the December 11th, Juan Diego shows us we have to love the elderly. I like really develop that theme a lot. Like your elderly mother, no? You know, our elderly mothers and grandparents, they suffer a lot. You know, they're not as strong as they used to be. You know, their mind is maybe starting to fail them. 
Maybe we have to walk with a walker. No. Maybe they don't, they don't hear that well. No. I live with two elderly priests. I do. And one of them is half deaf and the other one can barely speak. So I'm sitting at the table. What do I have to do? I have to do the interpretation. No. <laughs> one of them can barely hear. The other one is he's having difficulty in speaking. So they're talking and I have to kind of make sure that I'm the, <laughs> I'm the liaison. I'm the bridge between both of them. No. It's good for me. I mean, I have to practice a lot of patience and charity, right? <laughs> but I've often thought, what would you prefer? To be in the wheelchair or to be pushing the wheelchair, huh? Hello? What would you prefer? To be in the wheelchair or to be pushing the wheelchair? It's a good question, isn't it? Deanna, what do you think? I prefer to push the wheelchair than to be in the wheelchair. How about you? I prefer to have these legs that are basically work and then not be able to walk. No? So be thankful. Be thankful that you've got you know, legs that work. You like poetry, right? The poet says, I complain, I complain because I had no shoes until I met someone without any feet, right? I got feet. Are those feet or are they fake feet? No, they're real feet, right? You even have boots on, huh? Pretty good, huh? <laughs> so we, <laughs> we ought to be thankful for what we have. We're thankful for what we have. I complained because I had no shoes until I met anyone without any feet. Yeah. Always someone that has it worse off than us, right? Okay, so let's move on. Okay, we call... What, uh, number, number 13, we call December 12th a little bit of Spanish. Las Mañanitas. Las Mañanitas. You know how to spell Mañanitas, any of you? I'm not good at spelling, are you? No? Mañanitas. Mañanitas, what that means is early in the morning. Mañanitas means... Uh, loose trans translation will be early in the morning. Okay? Mañanitas. Okay, so, early in the morning, and put next to Juan Diego. Juan Diego goes to Mexico to fetch a priest. Juan Diego goes to Mexico to fetch a priest. Because his uncle, his uncle is dying. Okay. There's another beautiful message. When someone is dying, what should we do? Call, call Chuck E. Cheese? No. Well, I thought you were going to say call Chuck E. Cheese or Taco Bell. No. No. You call a priest, right? Yeah, so that the person can receive the last sacraments. Yeah, wouldn't you like to receive the last sacrament before you die? You know, you have to make 
a confession, receive the anointing of the sick, and then receive Holy Communion? No? Will that be good? It, it, it's, it's helpful to have a priest that's your friend. Yeah. <laughs> good fire insurance, right? <laughs> so, to, to call it, make sure your, your mother, your grandmother is able to receive the sacrament so that they can get to heaven. Okay, so Juan Diego is heading toward the city of Mexico. And he arrives at Monte Tepeyac. Now, what does Juan Diego do? Very interesting. Erasing my literary masterpieces. <laughs> so Juan Diego is heading toward Mexico. And there's a, there's a hill. This is uh, Monte Tepeyac. So here he is, here, here he is, Juan Diego. So he decides to do this because here's where you have a Lady Guadalupe. What's he going to do? Guess what? <laughs> So he tries to go around the hill so that he can avoid her. Guess what happened? So she cuts him off. And he says, oh, he says to her, oh, como amaneció. He have a good night's rest. Pretty nice, huh? This Mexican Spanish, como amaneció. Did you have a good night's rest? And then... She says these beautiful words to Juan Diego. How's your Spanish? No te aflicas, no soy yo tu madre, te tengo en el cruzado de los brazos, estás siempre en mi sombra, estás en el hueco de mi regazo. ¿Habla español? No. You've all forgot your Spanish. I'm going to have to teach you Spanish then, Okay. Give you a free Spanish lesson. So she cuts him off and these are the messages. So it says, Juan Diego tried to avoid her and the Virgin left these beautiful messages. So let's go to letter A. Letter A, she says, first, do not worry do not worry. Have you ever worried? Not yet. You never worry, no? One of the reasons a lot of people, they get gray hair and they start to lose their hair is because they worry too much. Okay? Do you want to get gray hair and you start to lose your hair? Start to worry a lot today. Okay? And by the time you're 21 or 22, you might have to get a, might have to get a wig, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, you got white hair. You're gonna have to already dye your hair, okay? A lot of people worry. You know, some people worry about things that never happen anyway. Huh? The opposite of worry is, guess what? Is trust. So yeah, worry is one thing we want to. We didn't have a great greater trust 
greater trust in God. So write down, okay, letter A, do not worry. Letter B, she says, uh, no soyo tomari, am I not your mother? I think you never go through a week where you as teenagers, you don't get angry at your mother, right? <laughs> well, all of you know this. You know that your mother really cares for you, even though you, you get angry at her at times, no? Okay, so Mary is our mother, and she cares for us. Your mother cares for you, but the, mother, the Blessed Mother cares for you much more. Much more. Then she says, okay, the next letter would be, Estas en el cruzar de mis brazos. How do you translate that one? En el cruzar de mis brazos. Cruzar de mis brazos. Right? But also put, crossing my arms, you're in my heart. Because below below the crossing of the arms, you've got the heart. You might have to write a letter, letter E, I think, but let's see if we, we can, let's start with D before E, right? The next one, she says, estás en mi, uh, estás en mi, uh, mi sombra. And we translate that, you're in my shadow, right? You're an athlete, maybe try one day to race your shadow. I used to do that when I was a kid. No? Ready, set, go. Boom! Try it. Like sports, and you know, ready, set, go. You know, let me run like 30 yards. You run fast, see if you can beat that shadow. I tried that many times. I'm ready, set, go. Boom! Ah, he beat me again. Ah. Maybe on the way back, he's going to be a little bit slower. Huh? What do you think? Let me try that about 10 times. Every time I tried that, I... Always lost that race. He never got tired. I decided, why even, why even try to race my shadow? So no matter where we are, our shadow is with us. So Mary is saying that she's like the shadow. She's always with us. Santa Maria del Camino. Yeah. Yeah. So put down, put down shadow. Mary's always with us. Now the last one is difficult to translate, and it's us in the wake of the miragaso. That's a tough translation. That's a tough translation. Wake means empty, emptiness. The miragaso be my apron, apron. Huh? Forgetting your Spanish, huh? Yeah. So Mary's saying you're you are in my womb. Womb is a place where a baby is being formed. Now, the most intimate relationship between two persons is the baby being formed in the womb. Think about that. The baby being formed in the womb and the mother is nourishing the baby with, 
with all those elements during those nine months. St. Louis de Montfort says, we're called to go in the womb of Mary so that she can form us to be another Christ. Amen? No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen? Good place to be. I want to become another Christ. I want to become another Christ. And who can form me to be another Christ? Mary. Amen? Okay, so I'm giving you some mystical interpretations to what Our Lady of Guadalupe has said to Juan Diego. Okay, now, there she is talking with Juan Diego. And now there is the signal or the sign to bring to the bishop. What was the sign? This is December 12th, early in the morning, in the top of this hill. Okay, very cold out. Yeah. Okay, good. There, okay, so this, the sign would be flowers. Were they, uh, were they azucenas or were they tulips or were they... Um, what? What type of roses? Very important. Castilian. Castilian. Castilian means from Spanish roses. That's very important, that little detail. Spanish roses de Castilla, if you speak Spanish. Okay? So, Castilian roses. Castilian roses. Okay, now with respect to those roses, there are going to be three different miracles. I'll prove it to you. Okay, the first would be Maybe you've never done any garden work before being a priest. I had, I had many different jobs before I became a priest. You name it, I was doing it. Okay? From washing dishes in a restaurant and being a professional teacher. So I did it all. I probably had more jobs than your dad had. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I've done garden work. I, I know this. You, you don't plant fa- flowers in the middle of winter, do you? No? Not even in Hawaiian gardens where we are, right? Hawaiian gardens, no? <laughs> Got the pun there? Got it, okay. I, I like a play on words, no? The most simple type of humor, according to Shakespeare, is a pun, which is a play on words, no? So the first miracle would be roses growing in winter. What's that going to happen? Roses growing in winter, that's not going to happen, is it? No. Unless God works a miracle. The second would be, are you going to be planting roses in the middle of a desert? What do you think? No, I mean, plant roses in the middle of a desert, nothing's going to happen. You have to have a good terrain. You have to have... You have to have uh, soil, you have to have moisture, you have to have water, you have to have the proper terrain. So you're not going to be seeing roses growing in the middle of winter, in the middle of a desert. <laughs> so, But that was happening. And the third miracle would be 
Castilian roses, those roses grew in Spain. The bishop came from guess where? Not Los Angeles or New York. Guess where the bishop came from? He came from Spain. Ah! The pieces of the puzzle are falling to place now, huh? You know how God works? God does nothing by chance, huh? So those are, those are three miracles. Roses growing in winter, roses growing in the desert, and Spanish roses growing in Mexico. Series of miracles. So once the bishop sees those roses, that's from Madrid, that's from Salamanca, where I'm from. All right. So you're going to see just a series of miracles that happened as a result of a Lady Guadalupe. Another one, when Juan was with the people and his cloak. So what's happened is, he's on the, he's on this Monte Tepeyac, he cuts the roses, and then Our Lady actually, she actually organizes, she, she orders in a very neat way the roses, then he takes off. So he heads to the city of Mexico. He arrives at the residence of the bishop. They finally let him in the door. And some of the people there didn't like him because he's already been there about three times. They think he's just a liar. He's a, he's a troublemaker. He's a nuisance. So they see him. He's got this tilma draped like this. He's holding something back. It looks like he's got some secret there. So what they do is they, they get a hold of him and they pull down his tilma, and guess what happens? Those roses remain painted on his tilma. There's another miracle. They should have fallen to the ground, right? Instead of falling to the ground, they're painted there just for that short time. So write that in. Write that in. They remain painted, impressed. Painter impressed on the tilma of Juan Diego. All right, so he goes in to the he goes in to the to the uh, residence of the bishop. He falls down on his knees and he opens up the tilma, and all these roses come cascading to the ground. But was there a greater miracle? Such a great miracle that if you're Mexican, you wouldn't be here if this didn't happen. Most of you are Mexicans. You're second generation Mexican, right? You wouldn't be here. Exactly. So in that tilma, this is like a huge apron, was impressed on the tilma from very very top to the bottom. So Juan Diego is looking at the bishop and he thinks that the bishop just sees the roses but he sees this beautiful image of Our Lady Guadalupe. Now that's the greatest miracle. The roses was a miracle but the image impressed on the Telma was an even greater miracle. Right? Beautiful story, isn't it? 
Okay, now, now what does the bishop do? Because the bishop, he falls to his knees and he weeps. He had two attitudes. Sorrow and joy. Sorrow that he doubted, but joy that he sees as beautiful in so There's a mixture of, of emotions here. Okay? Sorrow because he doubted, but joy because he sees this beautiful image. Yeah? Beautiful story. And what would be great if you, if you could learn this story a little bit better and tell some of your friends... Maybe, maybe your cousin, maybe your little sister, maybe your brother. Tell them this story. I've said more than once to the Mexicans, you should be the experts in Our Lady of Guadalupe. You should be the experts. No? You should be. You should be the real experts. No? So someone asks you, tell the whole story in detail. You have like a little, little, little sister, a little brother. Tell them the story. Maybe put a little movie on a YouTube. So we get to know this beautiful message of Our Lady Guadalupe. Okay. No, okay, number 21. Who came to give more proof? Who came to give more proof? Okay, let's go back. Re- rewind the film. Why was Juan Diego heading toward the city of Mexico December 12th? Las Mañanitas? So let's rewind the film. Why was he heading there in the first place? What? Okay, good, but, but for himself? Okay, good. So, so Our Lady says, don't worry. So guess what's going to happen? Our Lady's going to go to visit the uncle in his little house where he's dying. He heals him just like that. Another miracle, huh? I wondered by location. I think so. You ever think about that? It's happening at the same time. Right? If Padre Pio could biolocate, why can't Our Lady, right? If John Bosco, your son goes there, John Bosco could biolocate, why can't she? So, if it was exactly the same time, we'll have to ask her once we get to heaven. No? But we know this, that the same lady that appeared to Juan Diego went to Juan Bernardino in his little house and healed him instantaneously. So, he goes to the city of Mexico where the bishop is, where his nephew is, and he says, I'm healed. And he sees that beautiful image on the tomb of Juan Diego. She's the one that healed me. Wow. The bishop is going to believe even more. I love this story. You know, one of my favorite Marian stories. This, Vatiman, Lourdes. Aren't they beautiful stories? Yes. What? Uh, diminutive would be a. Uh, what, what would be the context? Yeah, because um, uh, Our Lady spoke Nahuatl. Yes. And they speak in diminutivo. That's why she called him Juan uh, Dieguito and he called her. Yes. In, in English, endearing would be the word. Very endearing, yeah. Okay. She, didn't, you know, she didn't speak Spanish because Juan Diego could not speak Spanish. Did you know that? He spoke Nahuel, which would be the language of the Aztec Indians. So she spoke his language. Yeah. When she appeared in Lourdes, what language did she speak? French. Because Lourdes was French. When she appeared in Fatima, what language did she speak? 
Portuguese. Yeah. To a lady, she speaks the language of the people. She adapts. And look, if you look at a lady Guadalupe, most of you are you're kind of brown and dark, dark complexion. Most of you kind of dark, brown complexion, complexion, dark. What does a lady Guadalupe look like? Just like you girls. Yeah. Where would she go to Fatima? She looks more white because the Fatima girls. And Lourdes, French. So she adapts even to the culture of the people, right? Able to speak their language. She dresses in this beautiful dress. Do you know why she wore that black ribbon around her waist? Any of you know when she had a black rib- ribbon around her? What's that? Right. So pregnant women back 500 years, they'd have the black ribbon. And closer to the due date, the higher it would be. So you see it very high. December 12th, pretty close to December 25th, right? So there's a lot in it. Now, there's a lot of kind of symbolic, beautiful, spiritual messages that we should try to learn. Okay, so let's move on to number let's, let's jump over to number 23 because I've got some other miracles right after on the next page. Is um, then they built what? They built uh, they built the church on Monte Tepeyac. So in that place where she built, she appeared. That's where it was built on Monte Tepeyac. So just skip over number twenty-two. Number twenty-three is they built the church on Monte Tepeyac. Inside the church, there is the image of Our Lady Guadalupe. Okay, have any have any any of you ever been to the city of Mexico and seen the image of Our Lady Guadalupe? Any of you? Impressive, huh? Probably notice that there are actually two churches there. There's the older church and the newer church. And it's actually sinking. The ground there is actually sinking, no? For fear that uh, the churches might be lost because the ground there is very, uh, very um, weak. So you actually have the two churches there, the old and the new. If you have an opportunity to go, you haven't gone, go. It's worth it, no? Do you know the three most visited churches in the world? St. Peter in Rome, Our Lady Guadalupe, and where Padre Pio is. A lot of people like to visit Padre Pio there in, in Italy. But the first would be the Basilica of St. Peter where you have the Pope. Then Our Lady Guadalupe would be number two. Around this time, I've heard for Our Lady Guadalupe you have as many as a, a million people that have actually gone there. I don't know how, how much, probably because of COVID it's less, but huge people People make pilgrimages, you know, the nine days before, no? So this would probably not be the best time to go. We probably wouldn't be able to walk, probably. <laughs> but uh, other times, it, it's worth the pilgrimage. It's worth it. Okay. Our Lady Guadalupe will, will help us and answer our prayers. Will help us and answer our prayers. 
Help us and answer our prayers. Okay. More miracles, okay. I'm gonna, I'd like to mention, um, number one, uh, one of the most important miracles subsequent to the, what I've, said, what I've said so far. So, what's happened after this, uh, this apparition and the tilma and the bishop and Juan Diego and Juan Bernardino, the, um, the Indians are, are celebrating. And one of the things that they're doing is they're, they're shooting their arrows. Some of these are the best, best fighters in the world back then. But what has happened is one of these Indians shoots an arrow and the arrow goes right through the neck of this person. And the guy was killed. You got an arrow going through your neck, you're you're dead. During their their, their fiesta, so they had an idea. Why don't we Why don't we see if we can bring this dead man to the image of Our Lady Guadalupe? So they brought him to the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, and the dead man came back to life. Real story. This dead man came back to life. Now, with that, they happen to have an older brother that's a that's a surgeon. Okay, he does operations. No. What about the arrow? You pull that arrow, you're going to kill the person. Now, you didn't have a modern American surgeons that, that, that are out there today, what's going to happen? Pull that out, he's going to die. So, pull the arrow out and there were just two small holes that remained. From that time on, there was, there was a tidal wave of conversions from that time on. Before, with those other miracles, you had conversions. But they're kind of trickling in. With that, you had a tidal wave of conversions. You know what a tidal wave is, no? Huge tsunami, tidal wave of conversions. And as a result of that, you have tidal wave of conversions within 30 years Eight million converts. There's never in the history of the world had so many converts in such a short time. I deal with people that are hardened sinners. Sometimes it takes 30 years to convert one person. And you probably know some in your family that are hardened sinners and they don't want to give up their sin, they don't want to give up their false ideas, there are 8 million converts in 30 years. Our lady works well, doesn't she? Very quickly, huh? So, write down that, write down that, that miracle, the miracle of the 
the Indian, the Arrow, and the man being brought back to life. Okay? Indian, the Arrow, and the man being brought back to life. Now, I have many, many more miracles, but I'd like to tell you one more. And this is much more modern. In this country, this country, 1973, maybe you've heard of Roe vs. Wade, some of you, Roe vs. Wade? Roe vs. Wade, where they legalized abortion. And just a couple months ago, Roe vs. Wade was overturned. Maybe you follow a little bit of the news. So what happened, Roe vs. Wade was overturned on the federal level. However, on the state level, abortions are still legalized in about 25 of the states. So about half of the states, abortion is still legalized. But the worst state is California, where we live. Uh, California and New York and about the worst states that this has become an asylum where people come from other states to have abortions here in California. Very sad, no? Well, the other states prohibit it. So, uh, in Mexico, Mexico in the year 2006, they're going to legalize abortion in Mexico. 2006. So, shortly before the Supreme Court in Mexico legalized abortion, remember reading an article by Juan Rivas on this, no? Maybe you've read it, no? Is that the people were praying in front of a Lady Guadalupe, the image, shortly before the Supreme Court decision, and they saw the image of a Lady Guadalupe, they saw her stomach, they could see enlightened, illuminated, a baby fetus moving up and down in the womb of a Lady Guadalupe in the city of Mexico. It's a, it's a document. Maybe check it out on YouTube. Yeah, yeah check it out on YouTube. Put not in 2006, um, you can put miraculous image of the baby, and you'll, something will pop up, and you'll see a two or three minute YouTube where you see this is the image of Lady Guadalupe. You see the baby and the woman illuminated, and the baby's moving up and down. Guess what? They legalize abortion anyway. And Father Juan Rivas wrote an article on this thing. From that time on. Mexico basically went down the tubes. We have a lot of narcos there, and a lot of violence, a lot of murders. You have La Santa Muerte. You probably heard of that, La Santa Muerte. La Santa Muerte is a it's a satanic cult where they kill innocent people. From when abortion was legalized, Mexico had a lot of problems, but much worse because killing innocent life, we got to pay the consequences. So um, I have. I have much more to say, but uh, time has already gone by. So this coming Sunday, we will have the procession at uh, 9 o'clock. Nine, uh, show up about nine, maybe 9.15 in front of City Hall, and we'll be walking in procession from City Hall to the church with the different floats, and then we'll have the Mass when you arrive. Yes? Okay, they will not, good question, there will not be the 9.30 Mass. Okay, so your, your confirmation Mass has been canceled because of the festivities for Our Lady Guadalupe. So we don't have to go to Sunday Mass. 
I get well. I get. I guess. I guess not this time, huh? Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll trust. Uh, we'll trust your honesty and your goodwill. Okay. Okay. Hopefully, there's a lot of both of those, right? <laughs> okay. Let's say Hail Mary that we'll really get to know our Lady God a little bit better and better, huh? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. The Lord be with you. Amen. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. See you on Sunday. Okay. Good.